book. I have it right here. Uh, Half Truths by Adam Hamilton. So he's a United Methodist Church pastor. He writes uh, about almost every Christian topic. He does a lot of curriculum stuff. And I really love his work. So if you are interested, you're looking for a book to read, Adam Hamilton's got a lot of good ones. But the Half Truths, stuff that Christians say, there's maybe some truth to it, but often there's a lot of lie to it. It's hurtful. We probably should stop saying these things, right? So that's sort of like the, the, the theme. So we've done love the sin or hate the sin. It's never made a single person ever feel loved in their life. Let's stop saying it. Uh, <laughs> God never gives you more than you can handle. Thank you. That means if I fall apart, it's my fault, uh, not the circumstances. Let's stop saying that. Today's is God helps those who help themselves. So I think we've all heard this before. We've all heard this phrase, right? And so that is uh, today's topic, the today's half-truth. The scripture is going to come from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 10 through 12. I'm going to warn you, it comes across as pretty harsh. Uh, so this is to the church at Thessalonia. Even when we were with you, we were giving you this command. If anyone doesn't want to work, they shouldn't eat. We hear that some of you are living an undisciplined life. They aren't working, but they are meddling in other people's business. By the Lord Jesus Christ, we command and encourage such people to work quietly and put their own food on the table. Ouch. All right. Um, so I want to talk about today's half-truth uh, in light of uh, and this is from Adam Hamilton. It's a little bit dated, right? So it's Barna Research, but this is like 12 years old now, 15 years old. And they just wanted to know how much Americans know about Christianity in the Bible because there's a high percentage that say, identify as Christian, right? So they just, they do these periodic things where they interview people. It's usually really horrible because people don't know anything about the Bible really or Christian faith. Uh, and so the Barna Group found this. I think it's the next slot. Sullivan, is that right? Yeah, let's see it. Over half the people polled thought the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> it is not one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, eight out of ten thought it was a strong biblical theme. Just so you're aware, the phrase shows up nowhere in the Bible. It's not in Scripture at all. Jesus doesn't say it. It's not like some strong biblical theme. Uh, this is just a misunderstanding. Actually, the person that made it famous, does anybody know? where? The, yeah, Benjamin Franklin. That's correct. It's in his, uh, what's the name of the book? I think if you click it one more time. Do I have it up there, uh, Sullivan? Yeah. It's the Poor Richard's Almanac, so it's one of his uh, better read books, and that's where the quote actually comes from. So it's much more part of like American ethos or American culture than it is part of the Bible or part of Scripture. So I like this slide uh, in particular. God helps those who help themselves. No verse found. Because <laughs> it's not there. It doesn't exist in the Bible. It's not, it, it, right? Um, so it is a half-truth. Here's, here's where I think there's some truth to it. And truth to what we read in Thessalonians. I think God wants us to work hard. I think God wants us to have a strong work ethic. I think God wants me to show up and prepare my sermon and do what I can. I think God wants us to uh, engage the world with our gifts. 
right? I don't think the will of God is for me to like squander my time or my talents or my energy. I think God wants me to work hard. I think that God wants all of us to work hard. But not all of us have the same gifts. Not all of us have the same abilities. Not all of us have the same circumstances. Not all of us have the same experiences. So I don't know how it could possibly be my place to judge someone else's work ethic or what they're capable of. But what I can do is I can be, I can be introspective. It's the same thing when we talked about love the sin or hate the sin. God cares about sin. And you know who God really cares about? My own. That's what I should be focused on. No one else's. I'm not here to judge anyone else. I'm here to think about my own life and what God's calling me to. I'm not here to make sure you're all doing what you need to be doing, right? And so I think about this in terms of God wants me to work hard, but I'm here to think about my own work ethic, not here to judge other people's. I can tell you I had an experience this week, right? Just like every person who finds themselves old, so I'm old now, right? Here's my experience. I went to my son's parent-teacher conference and I thought, how in the world can the school lower their standards any further? What is happening in our schools, right? So I was like, so this is the new thing. If you don't turn an assignment in, the lowest you can get is 50%. 50% for not doing work? How can you get, that just doesn't make any sense. You didn't do anything, how can you get 50%? That's the lowest we can give them. And I was like, not my son. And they're like, sorry, Joe. Even your son. Oh, here we go. Let's do it. Come on, Saul. (laughs) 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 If you be a melody, would you sing it over? Like, I need a reason to sing here. I need some. Can you sing it again? So, there, so let me get this straight. So this district thinks we should play on humans' worst motives, which is uh, you might get lower than 50, so just don't do anything, and you're guaranteed a 50. Like, that doesn't play on your best motives. That plays on your worst motives. Now, of course, I have an amazing son who just always works as hard as he can on every assignment. But I know there are some students who don't do that. And so I just, you know, I just found myself baffled by the idea that I couldn't I can't raise the bar for my children at school when I tell the teacher, because you can tell the teachers want to do it. They're like, we can't. Okay, so I'm officially old. Everyone thinks the next generation's ruined and they're lazy and it's all going to be terrible, right? Every, my dad thought it. My mom thought I turned out okay. We, I think things are going okay, right? We all think this. But the, the, I, the, the notion, though, that, that I want Sullivan to work hard, I want Nina to work hard, I want them to take pride in their work, I want them to care about what they submit to their teachers, like, that matters, right? Uh, and I think God cares. So there's some truth here about if you can work, work. If you can help, help. Here's where it gets really uncomfortable for me, where I think that this saying is hurtful, I think it's not 100% true, and I think we should stop saying it. When I look at Scripture, I don't get a sense that God helps those who help themselves. It seems to me that God helps those who cannot help themselves. God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps those desperate. God helps those in slavery. God helps those in exile. God helps those who are barren. God helps those who absolutely can't help themselves. And that call would extend to us. So uh, 
I think God helps those who help themselves. Do you want to know what I think the attitude it creates that's insidious, that gets in us, that is like our intuition that just comes out? Before we help someone, we ask this, do they deserve it? Do they deserve help? That's the wrong question. Jesus never asked that question. God doesn't ask, do they deserve it? This is where I think the phrase gets into our DNA and it's just start. So it's like we care about the worthy poor, whatever that means, but certainly not the unworthy. So this distinction between deserving help and not deserving help seems not to be a biblical one, not to be one that Jesus cares about. In fact, one of our, all of our favorite stories, right? The story of the Good Samaritan where you got the guy going from taking the road to Jericho, like from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's walking alone. He's traveling when he shouldn't be. And the road itself historically is known to be very dangerous. So when he's taken over by robbers and beaten, this is not a surprise. In fact, one could say, why were you in that neighborhood? Why were you by yourself? Why were you doing it that way? That was pretty foolish of you, right? I mean, you could ultimately blame the person who gets beaten and left on the side of the road for being a real dodo. But that's not what the point of the story. The point of the story is that this person's hurt and they need help. And whether it was their fault or not, whether they deserve help or not is not a question that gets asked. It is who will help the person who's hurting. That's the call. He can't help himself bloody on the side of the road. God helps those who help themselves? No, no. We don't ask, do they deserve it? Is it their fault? Did they do something? Do they need help and can we help? What's God asking of us? Um, In Matthew 25, uh, it's one of my favorite verses. I mean, everyone should just have it memorized. I'm sure as soon as I said Matthew 25, all of you know exactly what I'm talking about. No, I love it. It, it, it undermines this notion of God helps those who help themselves, right? It undermines it. It crushes it. It says, don't stop saying it, right? That's like part of American ethos, American culture. It's not part of the Christian ethos. So I'm going to read part of Matthew 25, and this is the parable of the sheep and the goats, that when judgment comes, when God is going to levy fair judgment on us, we'll get separated into sheep and goats. And, and what determines whether you're a sheep or a goat? right? We want to be sheep, just so you know. (laughs) Then God will say to those on God's right, come you who will receive good things from God, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. For I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the sheep will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you in or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it to me. Uh, This doesn't feel like, you know, if you feel like it, maybe you should help some people. This feels like if you don't help people, you won't be in God's kingdom. This feels like like a big deal to Jesus, right? At no point is it like, Make sure that the naked were not naked because of what they did. Make sure it wasn't their fault they were hungry. Make sure they were the worthy stranger or prisoner. It doesn't say that. 
Did you visit? Did you comfort? Did you clothe? Did you visit? Did you feed? So it's not about helping those who help themselves. It's about helping those who can't help themselves. Because if we're really honest, and this would be my second point on the slide, most of us can't help ourselves in the most important areas of our lives. We can't. I am incapable of actually helping myself in the most important ways. So I want you to think about like Abraham and Sarah Barron. They can't help themselves. There's no in vitro. What are they going to do? What's Moses going to do? How's Moses going to help himself? Uh, Go to the most powerful person on earth and just tell him to let all of his free labor go. How's that going to work? No. Moses can't do that on his own. Right? Paul needs the road to Damascus for him to be helped, changed. He can't do it on his own. In a very real sense, in the most important aspects of our lives, we can't do it. We need God and we need each other. And so the idea that God helps those help themselves, it it plays on this idea that we are radical individuals that just can like muster the strength to do it. And if you don't, if God doesn't help you, well, it's because you didn't work hard enough. It's your fault you end up in the circumstances you're in. We victim blame, right? So we have to stop because this is one way where the wisdom we get from the United States, one of many ways, and the wisdom we get from the gospel are just fundamentally at odds, right? The wisdom of the U.S. does say God helps those that help themselves. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do it on your own. Work hard enough and things will work out for you. The logic of the gospel is different. In the most important ways, you absolutely can't help yourself and you need God's grace and you need the grace of others. And once you've experienced it, then you're called to share it with those around you in tangible ways. Thank you, Jackie. It's okay to say amen every once in a while, you know? Preach it. That's right. There we go. I know. That's what I mean. I'm, I'm, I like the encouragement. So uh, the, my last point, right, is just to suggest, and this is similar to so many that we've covered, all three we've covered so far, is we, I want us to reject the individualism and the self-sufficiency that this lie perpetuates, that I can do it on my own. So uh, if you think about God won't give you more than you can handle, it means you, get, you can handle it. Hey, don't worry, no matter what happens to you, you're strong enough. But what happens when I fall apart and I'm broken and I'm not enough? So then it's, it becomes my fault. You see how like that focus on the individual and my own abilities is the central key? That's not true. We have to get out of self-sufficiency, individualism, isolation, where we can do it on our own. And, and I'll be honest, it's really hard for me because I have enough money, I have enough comfort and privilege where if something goes wrong, I can do it. I didn't have to share with you about Noonie's passing away. We'll just buy plane tickets. We'll take care of it on our own. You don't need to know about it right? My plumbing goes bad. I don't need to call one of you to fix it. I'll just pay someone to take care of it. I'll drive into my little garage, close the door, go into my house, and I'll never see my neighbors, and I never have to engage because I can handle it on my own, and I prefer it that way. It's less messy. I don't have to deal with all of you annoying people, right? And you don't have to deal with me. I mean, that, you're not all annoying, but you get the idea, right? Like, it feels like I want to isolate. I'd rather just watch Netflix. I'd rather just watch YouTube. Why would I want to interact? That sense of solitude, isolation, and individualism is like in direct contrast to the idea that we need each other. We're a community. We share burdens. We share blessings. We share resources where we actually can't do the things that God asks us to do on our own. We can't. 
And so what does it look like? I think it looks like actual courage, real courage to be vulnerable, to say we need each other. I need you. Help me. Can you pray with me? Will you be with me? That's courage. That's vulnerability. That's transparency. It's the exact opposite of God helps those that help themselves. It's the opposite of God won't give you more than you can handle, right? It's us coming together and sort of submitting to God and to one another so that we can share life in like real intimacy, in real ways. But it means fighting against many of our natures and and our culture generally that would suggest it's better just to be on your own and to stay in your own silo and to deal with your problems by yourself rather than to figure out what it would look like to have kind of mutual dependence with each other. So I do have a few action steps as we end. Something to think about as we go forward. I think it's the last slide, Saul. So stop asking if people deserve your help and instead just ask, what does love demand? What does love call for, right? Recognize our dependence on God and then in a very real sense, we're not able to help ourselves. Not in the most important ways, not in the most important things where I need to change or I need to grow. I really do need God and one another. And then finally, let's recognize our interdependence and our need for one another. That the temptation is to isolate. So, we've got three things we're not going to say anymore. Love the sin or hate the sin. God won't give you more than you can handle. And God helps those who help themselves. We're going we're to reverse the logic. And we're going to come together as a loving community to support one another. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you don't ask whether we deserve your love or not, that you don't ask whether we deserve your help or not, that you extend it, that your spirit continues to reach out to us in grace, in love, in mercy, to remind us that we are your children, that we are of infinite worth. And I pray that we might be able to accept that love so much, it would fill us up so much that we would have enough courage to be vulnerable with each other, to be a community of interdependence, not a community of individuals, but one where we share burdens and joys and love with one another. Amen.